And welcome to FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's only fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines, along with Zach Newfeld and Kevin Watt. We're brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. With the training season well underway, don't get left behind. Maximize your time with personalized and effective sessions and a guide to help you along the way. TriJoy can help. Whether your goal is to lose weight, run a marathon, finish a fondo, or tackle a triathlon, it's TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. See the TriJoy link on the FitSpeak page and take your first step to the finish line. We're also brought to you by Wenting's Cycling Mission. Here is your Wenting's Word of the Week. It is optimism. Once again, the Wenting's Word of the Week is optimism. Mention that word to the staff the next time you are at Wentings and you'll win a prize. It's just that easy. One more time, the Wentings word of the week is optimism. On the program today, our feature interview with Dynamic Race Events owner and race director Joe Dixon is our guest. Kevin Watt is back with social media shoutouts. Zach Newfeld has part two of his Between the Ears special series. We have your race results from the Tri-Events races out in Fort Langley. But first, the roundtable. This is Fitspeak 29 coming to you on Wednesday, February 28th, last day of the month. Here we are in our studios in Mission, and it is a rainy night in Mission, but I was looking out the window a couple of days ago, and it was incredible. Although none of the plants are starting to flower or anything like that, I saw a hummingbird. Kevin Watt, what's new and exciting in your world? What is new? I got out the other day for a quick little 30-minute run around the track. So that Running? Was, I did say that. Yes, that is correct. Uh, 30 minutes just to kind of get out, um, shake it off a little bit, and that was good. As you know, uh, uh, helping, to, helping out with the Positive Spin Cycle, that is going to be held on June 23rd this year. Uh, so we've had some latest developments, of course. Uh, our good friends at F2C Nutrition have contacted Positive Spin Cycle to host an Instagram contest uh, for Positive Spin. And uh, on that, along with that, uh, you guys all know that uh, they're hosting a contest with FitSpeak currently, so you'll have to check that out on the Facebook page. Thank you for reminding us. Um, and also with... Uh, June 23rd positive spin cycle. The uh, photo sharing app iPolpo has reached out and wants to as well run a contest on Instagram with um, positive spin. So um, that's pretty exciting news. We have three different distances and uh, we just uh, we want people to come out and help share the awareness of mental health. 45 bucks, that's less than a latex tube nowadays. Very good deal, and I also heard one of the craft breweries, one of the best out of Chilliwack, is returning as a sponsor. Yes, they are returning as a sponsor. They are... Old Yale Brewing. Ah, yes. Got some you. of their stuff in the fridge right now. <laughs> Enjoying the mango wheat, as a matter of fact, Kevin. That was actually my beverage of choice after that. Uh, challenging 200K affair in the sun last year. Uh, Zach. You're looking sharp. You're looking Thank pretty you. good. What's what's new in your world? Well, I was just going to say beer after a lo- nice long ride. That sounds awesome. I'm looking forward to recording uh, like the, the Between the Ears segment that's coming up. It's on Power Thoughts. It's part two, so we're going to get a little deeper into that. This week I've been hitting the gym. 
few times a week and, and weight training. So it's good to kind of switch up my training routine and uh, get some first-hand experience relating to next next time's Between the Ears segment on motivation to weight train for endurance athletes. Now, I understand in some universities and colleges around the country, this was reading break. Was that the same for you, or is that a different time? Um, my weed, read, sorry, reading break was week be- the week before last week. And you had some final exams this week, then? Uh, last week, yeah. How did those go for you? Pretty good. Any any especially killer ones that you thought you just of, nailed? All of them. Positive <laughs> attitude, positive man, and that's why he is part of FitSpeak. Speaking of exciting things in the world of multi-sport, I've got a exciting event that I'm organizing myself in the South Okanagan. It is called the Iron Soul, and it is not a race. It is, however, a long training ride and run and swim with some friends. So we're excited about putting that out there. One of the things that we were talking about was the fact that it may have to be supported by yourself. However, we've got Greg from F2C on board and we might be having some legitimate aid stations along the way. So we're pretty hyped with that. Greg Cowan, of course, our guest from last year's or rather last week's uh, FitSpeak number 28. Also some exciting stuff uh, coming up in a few minutes on FitSpeak. We have Joe Dixon, the race director and the race owner from Dynamic Race Events. He's going to be stopping by to tell us about his history of being a race director and whatnot. So let's get the show rolling. If you've been around the triathlon scene in BC for a while, you know we've got things pretty good here. The season starts at UBC in March, when the rest of the country is still wearing snowshoes and watching curling on television. And when it was still running, the Delta Triathlon was also a great way of testing your early season fitness. Then came May, June, and July, and we were all off to the races. One of those people responsible for giving us multi-sport athletes such a wide range of opportunities is Dynamic Race Events owner and race director Joe Dixon. Joe is responsible for the big half iron out in Oliver every year. And this year, the Oliver Half, along with its baby brother, the Wine Capital of Canada Triathlon, are celebrating their 15th birthdays. Joe was also, at one time, the race director of Ironman Canada, an incredibly demanding job. In 2018, Joe is running his series of four races across southern BC and is offering athletes a couple of more options than just swim, bike, and run. But first, let's hear about how Joe got into the sport of triathlon. I actually grew up in New West and got into triathlon while living in Kelowna about 20 years ago. Okay, so you've been in the sport for quite some time. Yes, yeah, it, uh, it creeps up on you, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So originally, can you remember that very first triathlon you gave a try at? probably 1997. And you've done Ironman, I understand. Uh, I've done Ironman in Arizona and Penticton and had the good fortune of racing in Hawaii. So you'd made the transition from being an athlete and then you got into this crazy thing becoming becoming a race director. What was your motivation to, to get into that? Well, I think as often as the case, Kevin, it wasn't really planned. I uh, went to a local tri-club meeting um, in April one year in Kelowna, 
Apple and Apple Triathlon. And so uh, prior to the meeting, I had taken on uh, the job, the role of club president, thinking that uh, it would be very difficult. Send out a few emails, we drink beer <laughs> together once a month with the group. And then at that meeting, lo and behold, uh, after I came on board as the club president, the group presenting that night was from the Apple Triathlon. And they were about four months out from the race, and there were only two remaining board members, no race director and no president of the society. So within 24 hours, uh, I was in a meeting and elected as the president of the Triathlon Society that produces the Apple. Uh, they had reached out to a local athlete to be a race director, and between us and the board members, we produced a race uh, in Cologne at the end of August, four months later. So that was uh, trial by fire. I suspect your first race, uh, your experience as a race director was uh, a pretty steep learning curve. Uh, it was. I mean, the good piece was that it was an established race versus uh, something that was new or starting uh, from scratch. So that was a help. But uh, they had hosted nationals uh, there about nine years previously, and they hadn't really changed a lot. So it was really a big task for any race director to come on board with a race with a thousand plus people with only four months uh, prior to race day. But we got it off uh, fairly fairly without any hitches, fairly smoothly, and um, that was the start of things. And I took a year or two off from being involved in events and then uh, came across uh, the different venues that Oliver offered up, and that sort of got the wheels in motion. Yeah, that's what I want to talk to you about. I mean, you started this events corporation called Outback. Now, back in the day, there were, were not very many races at all. I mean... Um, Trying to pick your brain here, how does a person, a race director in particular, how do you go about designing a race course? Well, I think at the time I always tell the story that a lot of my fellow athletes in the Okanagan and based out of Kelowna were lamenting that they either had to uh, travel to Alberta to race at Great White North or to wait for, in those days, the forms to come available online for Victoria, which had a very select number of spots, and I believe back in the day when Norm Tebow was the race director there, uh, you had to fax them in, and it was quite a, a lengthy process to get in and to get registered for the event. So sitting around and talking to athletes, many of them saying, isn't it a bit of a crime that we have Ironman in the Valley, and then we have the Apple, and we have the Cal Rats, and we have the Peach Classic, but no half iron distance race to do. So that got things started for me there, and in training for... I mean, Canada in 2002, the summer before I was riding in the South Okanagan with friends, and that's where I discovered uh, Black Sage Road and the fact that Oliver did actually have a lake, and uh, that was really what was the impetus behind finding that first venue. So you look at the geography, and um, what other things do you consider when you're designing a course? Well, I mean, the first thing is water. Um, I've been to cities and been offered you know, good sums of money to come and produce events. But in working with Graham Fraser at Ironman, he always stated that it starts with a course. Um, and that really is the crux of any successful race that has any longevity. Um, so for us, it's to find a good swimmable body of water um, and then to take a look at what our roads uh, and our access is like over the course. Um, in Oliver, it just sort of worked out that two loops around the community were 80K, so that's why we do the the top section of the course to start there. Um, and then it also gave us, uh, you know, the lake there is fairly shallow, so we can do the sprint race and have a nice, safe, parallel to the shore swim for our newbies, so that they're not in 
deep water. Those are some of the factors we take a look at. But we like to look at courses that are in rural but close to communities um, so that we can keep traffic control costs down, um, have buy-in from the communities because we're bringing athletes there, those types of things. So if you look at our venues, uh, traditionally, whether it's Cultus Lake just outside Chilliwack, where our course really doesn't affect um, any great residential areas, Oliver, for instance, being uh, the course is mostly through rural district. Um, you know, our course at Elk Lake here in Vancouver Island is very much the same. It's north, central North Saanich. And then our course in Nanaimo and Westwood Lake, same thing. Great lake swim, great run course, but the bike course is such that we can produce it and have minimal impact to our host communities, which is important for us because it makes it easy to have a race for more than just a four or five year period. So a good long-term buy-in from the community and long-term support. You're not uh, hacking off the locals as uh, or as little as possible on a Sunday morning when your when your races are traditionally held. Well, we've seen that. If you take a look at the calendar over the past 20 years, we've seen a couple of races or a number of races that are no longer with us um, for various reasons. And in some cases, it's been because the community has outgrown the course, or the races have had to shorten the distances. Uh, because it's all that the city would allow based on the growth in the community and the, and the original routes that they used just weren't uh, viable anymore. And I think we've seen a bit of that in Penticton over the years as that community's grown from what it was 30-plus years ago when the event started to the growth of the South Okanagan and Penticton in particular since. And the growth of Outback events, um, you started off with the one race in Oliver, and that was back in 2004? And you had some, some, some pretty big turnouts there in those mid-2000 uh, years at Outback. Uh, McKeeley Jones, one of the people. Um, what was that like, uh, heading an all-star crew like that? Well, we've had some great athletes. Uh, Lindsay Corbin, when she was, before she was married and raced with Lindsay Pacal, she raced and won her first prize money in Oliver. That same year, we had Lloyd Bowden come up from Victoria. Um, McKeeley came up from California with Rock Fly and a group of um, California athletes that year. Uh, Axel Merckx has raced on our course, Jeff Simons. Um, we've really had some great athletes over the years. Having a thousand athletes uh, presented its challenges. Um, I think, you know, most race directors would hate to say this. I think we appreciated that that course had a healthy range of probably about 750 to 800 athletes. A thousand was probably uh, a little busy for the first lap of the bike, especially for our faster athletes having to ride through through traffic, but um, it was definitely a sight to see a thousand bikes lined up in all of our uh, on Lakeshore Drive there race weekend. Absolutely. And then you had to move the uh, the, the transition of the bikes from from the lake itself down to the school there. Uh, added a couple of minutes to the athletes' transition times. What was the uh, feedback from that change? Well, part of it was as the community Oliver's grown. It's it's grown slowly but surely, and which has been great because we've had some great improvements to our courses on the bike and the run, but uh, part of that too is they created a situation where they poured sidewalks along Lakeshore Drive, which narrowed up our space there, so it really wasn't uh, the 
Yes. Which really takes it out of your athletes. We wanted to ensure that we were able to get any athletes that needed any medical transport in and out of there as quickly and safely as possible. And, and having transition right above our finish line didn't allow for that as, as well as it does now under our, our, our current setup with a finish on the roadway and, and really straightforward access and egress for safety. So as we were speaking previously, uh, your Oliver race uh, got really huge, some great numbers there, just when things were booming along with other things, along with Ironman Canada, upping its cap from, you know, a, a, a thousand and a few and larger and larger and larger. But then you kind of hit into a kind of a rough patch of a few years where things weren't running as smoothly as, as they had been in the past. Can you tell us about those years? And the birth of Dynamic uh, was born. So, Joe, you've been a busy guy, not only with your own company, Dynamic Race Events, and before that, Outback Race Events, but uh, I've been around this sport a, a fair bit, much much like you. So, in addition to owning your own races, you've filled some very big shoes in the past, like filling the race director's chair um, for Ironman Canada. What was that experience like? Um, that was a really interesting experience, and it came at a time probably about four or five years before I ever thought that opportunity might present itself. I was about 35 years old and uh, got the call to work some events for Graham Fraser and his crew towards the end of the season after uh, the race director um, gave his notice in Penticton. I worked a few races in Madison and Florida just to get a sense of uh, what it was all about and what the expectations were because not only was I signing on to be the race director in Penticton, I also that those years traveled and worked most of the Ironman races around North America as part of the team. So you didn't really sleep in those years? No, I didn't really sleep a lot, and I also didn't race a lot. Oh. It was too great health on either side of things, but uh, it really opened my eyes to uh, you know, how many pieces are involved in putting, uh, putting a race that size together, as well as the, the different ways to improve athlete experience and ensure athlete safety and uh, improve your venues along the way. So for me, as much as it kept me really busy, Kevin, as you say, um, the pieces that I learned and picked up along the way working with that team over those five years, um, as well as the people I got to work with, the Rock Fries, Paul Huddles, Paul Newby Fraser, Heather Fuhrer, just some of our icons in our sport, Mm -hmm. it really created a situation where I came back with a real strong knowledge of what needs to be done to run good races. And I think then by partnering with Angie as we uh, started Dynamic together, um, I had a clear vision of how I wanted things 
experience with her and really just say, what do we need to do to make these the best races in Western Canada? So here we are in 2018. You've been around the block a few times and you've seen the superstars of the sport. You've seen some big iconic races, uh, change locations and some others just disappear totally. Uh, tell us about some of the changes that you've seen in the, the racing community from your perspective, whether it's, uh, you know, people who have been racing and have they gone to other sports, do you think, or the changes in the communities and their approach to, to you know, accepting a triathlon in the community? I think we've still got a number of great communities around the province that are super, uh, super partners for the sport and are very accepting and provide great venues and a lot of help from a, uh, from a city standpoint or a town standpoint as far as helping with road closures and providing uh, you know, in-kind services and those types of things. I think from an athlete standpoint, um, it's a lot different. It seems like very much a serious sport straight out of the gate for a lot of athletes, and I think that's unfortunate because when I started 20 years ago, um, uh, you know, you had people doing an Ironman bike on a on an old 10-speed and not thinking much of it with some add-on aero bars and, and still smiling and having your greatest day as the fellow with a $5,000 bike, and I think it sort of seems these days in talking to some of the newcomers, they feel a little bit uh, shy about starting and going out to group rides or starting races because they don't have all the pieces. And uh, I think with that in mind, I think it's great to see the newbies come to our sport and be happy just to get started, enjoy the experience, and then worry about those types of uh, you know extra things that aren't necessarily needed your first year or two in triathlon to just get started and have fun. Um, I also agree with you. I think a lot of people, the race calendar for triathlon has lessened, but I think the overall calendar for available choice for our athletes, uh, as well as everyone out there in the different multi-sport communities, has just grown exponentially with uh, long-distance runs and um, things like Spartan races and cycling, Fondos. So really where it went to be that it was tough to fill your calendar if you really wanted to race, uh, now you can race every weekend pretty much from January to December if you live close to a, a large center. So I think that's definitely affected um, our numbers in our sport. And I also think, too, we have a bit of a sheen off the, uh, the sport now that um, we haven't had a follow-up Olympian. And I think initially that was part of the push for our sport at the time with Simon's success. So hopefully we'll see that in the future for Canada, and I think that'll help again moving forward. Speaking of change, um, some exciting new options available at your races, um, in particular, Duathlon and the Aquathon. Tell us about those options. Um, the Duathlon was something that we inherited when we took over the venue at Elk Lake. There has been a Duathlon there for, I believe, the last 29 years, so we thought we would keep the tradition alive there. Um, and sure enough, we had, I believe, about two dozen athletes. And then we've been offering the Aquabike um, the swim bike option at a number of our races and the feedback's been really strong from athletes that appreciate the opportunity for those of us like myself where the running's getting more difficult with age and bad knees um, they still want to get out there and compete don't want to necessarily do just a relay um, they can get out there and swim with the pack and then get off the bike and have their transition and then head out on the bike and ride hard and then get into transition and feel like they've been out racing with their friends and so that's something we're seeing growth in, and we want to continue, and hopefully we'll be offering it all our events moving forward. You know, it's been a great distance. 
And that, that's a really exciting thing. Not only are you giving athletes the choice of distances at a lot of your events, you're also giving them those options. And, and the longer you're around people, especially people of, uh, I'll say, a certain age, the, the whole idea with the knees and the running becomes, for some people, a bit of an issue. To, so to open up this, this idea of you don't have to do that run if your body can't support it or if it's rough on your health, you can still get this multi-sport experience and your finish line is going to be uh, on the bike and not on the run, which certainly appeals to a lot of people. And secondly, one of the things that holds a lot of potential multi-sport athletes back is that fear of the water. Although I don't think I've ever seen uh, a shark or a stingray at any of your races, Joe. But uh, but the fact is that, you know, you can die in the water if you don't, uh, you know, not that it happens at all on a frequent basis, but I mean that's a big uh, phobia for some people. So to offer that duathlon option is is just terrific. So let's talk about uh, these years, uh, this year's races in particular. So you kick off the season out in Nanaimo in Westwood. Um, how would you describe that course from a, a race director's perspective? This is the third year for Westwood Lake. We ran the first year in June uh, under very hot conditions. Last year with uh, the very late spring weather that finally rolled around after uh, the event, probably later into May, both on the Isle and Lower Mainland, we are running the May long weekend. Um, describing the course, Kevin, I would say it's a road bike course for the bike. It's, uh, you start and swim in beautiful Westwood Lake, which is just below Mount Benson, probably only about 10 minutes up the hill from downtown Nanaimo. Uh, we do a swim there and transitions about 125 meters away from swim exit. And then you ride downhill and start the course. Um, and then the sprint course is an 18, I believe an 18 or a 19K course. And then you've got a last little climb. The last 100 meters is a climb back up to the lot. Um, and then you've got a run that's a loop course, one loop around the lake for the sprint and two loops for the standard course. So very scenic but a challenging bike, especially for the standard course. And I got to ask you, Joe, has anybody actually ran the entire lap around that lake? Because that is one serious hilly section. Well, the, it's a deceiving. I don't know if, if I, I don't think they pre-run it, if that's your question. So what happens is they get about 4K around the lake and they appreciate the beauty and, and the chip trail. And you're right, with about 800, 900 meters to go before you're back towards running past the finish line and transition, there is a climb, and it's only about, oh, I would say 200 feet, but it is it is a climb, and it goes to probably, I'd say, about 4%. So for those people that haven't done a pre-run of the course, it does usually catch them off guard. That is the feedback we get at the finish. And this is where your heart rate's going to go from 150 to, like, 250. <laughs> Depends which route you take. If you take the route that's laid out and less steep, then it's 250. If, you, if people go vertical and... and uh, and, and go up the wall there, as we call it. It's it's just a bit shorter. So after Westwood Lake in the month of June, uh, a classic thing that British Columbian triathletes have been doing for years. So this is going to be the 15th running of the Oliver Half? Correct, as well as for the wine cap. There's a year off there a few years ago for the wine cap. It's the 15th anniversary for both races. Um, we've got the wine cap race. I believe we're... Um, about 60 to 65 percent already sold out for that event um so we're encouraging athletes to register sooner uh than later so they're not disappointed we run the sprint the standard on saturday morning and then sunday we've got the uh, oh and we also have the duathlon on saturday as well 
aqua bike. And uh, then post-race, we'll be having a full catered lunch, and then we're planning to have a uh, beverage garden where all of our athletes are participating, get a, a beverage um, on, on us, either a local beer from the Fire Hall Brewery or from our new cider partner. So we think, uh, we think it's one of the best venues in, in Western Canada, and uh, we're excited to be hosting a lot of our athletes coming back for the 15th. And the 15th. So we've got your first race out in Nanaimo, out on Vancouver Island. We head out to Oliver for two races there the first weekend in June. And then in the month of August, August the 5th, is Elk Lake, which is um, your newest race. Uh, a race that you had inherited from the, what was it, the Self-Transcendence? It was the Self-Transcendence Triathlon. It was the oldest triathlon in Canada. We've inherited the date. Um, it was previously produced by the uh, Sri Chinmoy Center. Um, and they had produced it all those years, and their team was now in their 70s and 80s, their members. So uh, they decided that it was getting a bit too much. And so we applied to the regional district and with Sanage to take over the date and were approved. And we tried to keep things fairly standard. We kept the same courses uh, for the most part for the bike and the run uh, in 2017. Uh, we changed the swim up a bit. Um, and then we got really good feedback for that. And then 2018, we'll be moving into uh, same courses for the bike and the run. And then we're going to have uh, you know, really just a great day of racing. We expect about 400 to 500 athletes on the August long weekend. And once again, a nice variety of options, including the Aquathon on that one. Then, of course, to, to end off the season, another half Ironman out in Cultus Lake. Now, how would you describe that course? Uh, once again, from a race director's perspective, there's uh, a lot of flat stuff. There's the possibility of some wind, but you tell me about it. Um, starts with, of course, as, as we said, I think we're really fortunate to have great swim venues. It's one of the most iconic venues um, in the Pacific Northwest, Cultus Lake just really clean, great swimming lake. Uh, you come out of the water, head to transition on the grass and head out, leave the park. You've got a slight climb of maybe 200 meters before you go downhill towards, uh, and then turn left and head out towards Yarrow on the flats. As you mentioned, Kevin, it, it can be a little windy, especially in the latter part of the standard course or loop two of the half. Um, it's through some flat farmland, so if there's no wind out there, it's a very fast course. And sometimes a fragrant course. <laughs> <laughs> it can be that time of year. There's, there's sometimes a little bit of fertilization that's taken place because it is it is uh, farmland. But uh, And that also, too, depends on how the wind blows, whether it's the headwind or behind mm -hmm. you. Um, it's also a course where you can be riding half of that, that loop out there and, and have a tremendous tailwind and then make the turn down in the uh, south portion of the course and be riding back into headwind. But we've also had days with no wind whatsoever and had some really fast times out there. And then the cyclists come back through Yarrow. There's a slight climb back up the hill into the park, about 200 meters. And then cyclists roll down in the park, back into transition, and then a run course uh, along the lake and through the cottage areas of Cultus Lake and then finishing up right at the park just above the water's edge. And the runs, uh, a bit of uh, crushed gravel trail, pavement, and if you're doing the half course the last two years, we've had a little uh, bit of a run about just above the beach on the sandy area over to the cottage area. And we've had some feedback from our athletes. Some of our athletes are asking for four laps just through the cottage section. Um, so we always take a look at our courses. So we if we have any changes, we'll announce those the next month or two for the half run course. But we've been 
and Oliver has been the standard course that we've had for the half and the sprint and the standard course, those really haven't changed in the last 15 years and, and the same piece for the most part in Cultus Lake. Um, and so that's a nice thing too is our athletes can come race there year after year after year and compare their times because we haven't constantly been changing the course. And that's that's one of the neat things that um, if you have done this course a number of times, you can, you know, as you get older, you can appreciate how perhaps how fast you were in the past. But, you know, the weather might change a little bit. But, you know, the for example, the bike course in Oliver was the same in 2004 as it was 2014 as it's going to be this year. So it's a it's a really neat gauge of your fitness and kind of where you are in life. I mean, the course ain't changing just like, well, for the most part, the Hawaii Ironman, it is the course. They've had a few deviations in the run, but uh, the splits, uh, it, it's a neat barometer to see where you uh, stack up. Now, looking looking at this year, you were already hinting at a, a cider as a cider company as a sponsor or a partner? We will have, uh, yes, we will have at this point beer and cider in our beverage garden for post race. And uh, we have the tear off tickets on your race bibs. So if you're an athlete, you, and once you finish and cooled off in the lake, then our athletes uh, last year headed uh, over to grab lunch, which would be catered by uh, the Fire Hall uh, restaurant in Oliver. And then uh, we've got the beverage garden there, and our athletes just use their tear ticket to get their first complimentary drink. And, uh, yeah, we've added cider, and we will, we're also looking at the possibility of adding wine as well for those athletes that uh, would like to have a glass of wine with their afternoon lunch. Wine capital of Canada? Sounds like a natural fit. Tell us about this year's partners and sponsors of your race series. Uh, we've got some great partners. We're still working to lock down some. Um, I think the biggest piece is we've had a number of partners for a long term. In Oliver, for instance, we'll have the bike barn returning and being out on the bike course. This will be their 15th year. Um, Jim Bates' crew from Fresh Air Experience will be down at the expo and helping athletes with any last-minute repairs on bikes. Uh, they've also been with us for over 12 years at the event. Um, we're in discussions to bring back two times you and also F2C. Hopefully we'll have that uh, established and figured out within the next week on both those counts. Um, it's really been a challenge, I think, you know, over the 20 years that I've been involved with the sport. Um, the dollars are really a lot of competition for those dollars out there with other events and shrinking budgets. Um, so it's always a task each year to make sure that you've, you've given good return on investment to your partners and also to can show good return on investment for potential partners that you're contacting to suggest that they get involved with you, uh, you know, through that time of year. Mm-hmm. Where do you see this thing that we do, multi-sport, in, say, 10 years from now? Oh, that's a really good question, Kevin. I think there's a couple of factors that come into play there that, that would affect the growth. I think we're seeing a bit of a rebound looking at the numbers. I think we've seen a shaking out of some of the events that um, haven't been able to sustain based on numbers. You're also seeing a number of small community events that get our athletes um, that just do that event each year and don't race any other triathlons in the province because it's a local homegrown race. I think that depends, too, how we as race directors promote the sport, how our athletes uh, serve to try and ambassador the sport as well to encourage the new ones. And I think we've got some great clubs in our province and some great coaches um, that are doing a fantastic job of that. Um, TriBC is continuing their hard work to ensure that uh, we're supported as race directors and that athletes are encouraged to step forward to gain a greater knowledge and to invite people.
people to the sport and ensure that it's a welcoming piece. I think also, too, over the next 10 years, Kevin, part of that will be on what venues still remain and what races remain there for athletes. You know, with some of the date changes we've seen in the past, I think it's hurt our sport, you know, by having a major race uh, move from the Okanagan to Whistler and have a date change into the end of July versus, say, the end of summer. It really has changed the culture of how triathletes in Canada do their training. I think you've just hit the nail on the head. It, it, it created a situation where people had that end of the summer on their calendar, the extra six to eight weeks of training, to moving that date to July and also drastically changing the nature of the course. And I think that has obviously affected the numbers and it has affected our numbers within BC of the athletes that train for that type of race or that distance because it's, you know, when you're in Penticton, you know this from your experience, I'm sure, you would often hear people saying, I'm going to do this next year. They would be involved in the spirit, the course, the energy of the day. And I don't know if some of the courses that are out there now for long course have that same type of attraction to someone standing on the side of the road who's watching it um, or coming to cheer on a friend or a relative because of the challenging courses. And as much as people like the challenge, we have a percentage of our athletes that do, and we used to see that in the Soyuz back in the day. I think more and more athletes like having a fairly flat and fast course that um, they're not as gassed come Monday or Tuesday when they're back at the office. And you can still tell the stories for the rest of your life. Exactly. So I think it'll be interesting to see how, you know, our community as a whole tries to show uh, other athletes the benefits of being in our sport, the camaraderie, and, and all those great things that have kept you and I in the sport for the last 20 years. Um, and then I also think as race directors and event people, we need to ensure that the product gets better and better every year. Because I think that's a trap that a lot of people fall into is, this has been working as is, where is, for, for the last few years, we don't have any reason to change anything. And I think that's probably not helping uh, the sport or some of the events uh, that maybe are taking or have taken that uh, tack in the past. So a healthy blend of reflection, refinement, and then responding to uh, some of the athletes' needs or perceived needs. Well, and I think also talking to our athletes, if it's talking to those people to say, why do you only do one race a year? Um, is it cost? Is it experience? Is it uh, you know, not so much cost, but perceived value based on what you're paying? Um, is it lack of the experience, even if it's just a sprinter standard race? Um, you know, I'm involved with a running race in Victoria. It's uh, Victoria's version of the Sun Run. It's the Times Columns 10K. You know, we've added things back to the race that have been there at certain times over the last 29 years, like uh, tech shirts this year and uh, finishers medals. And as many athletes say, well, I've got a ton of medals. That's not a draw for me. There's just as many athletes out there that are thrilled to be able to have that be part of their experience. Mm-hmm. So I think we were, you know, we've tried to do that at Dynamic to be like, okay, how do we raise the race day experience to make it even better each year? Because I think if, if people have raced, have raced at an Ironman race or they've raced internationally in Germany at Roth or, or some of the other, the big marathons, and then come to do their local events, I think one thing that I've noticed that's a big difference in the last 20 years is that expectation of the athletes of what's being provided to them and what they perceive as perceived value versus 20 years ago when you showed up, uh, you got a bib number. <laughs> um, I don't even think my first draft when I did was chip-timed. <laughs> um, and actually, 
<laughs> uh, used to you know wait five six days for the results to come up on the internet or get printed and be oh yeah get them through the mail store, <laughs> yeah so um, you know definitely higher expectations out there and, and in some ways rightly so um, so I think if if everybody can work together and I said at all levels you know nationally with Tri Canada and Tri BC and our athletes and our race directors. Um, if people are willing to work together and share and promote, uh, I think the sport can have a very healthy turnaround. Um, and my hope is that's what we see over the next 10 years. A little bit earlier in the interview, you were speaking about Graham Fraser, who's now moved on to some interesting pursuits uh, with the Penticton Vs and uh, movie production, as I've heard. But uh, in addition to to Graham Fraser, who are some other people in the multi-sport community that you admire, be it athletes or business people, innovators? Well, I think it starts with Graham. I mean, Graham's sort of the godfather of Canadian triathlon, and I, I thank him each year uh, for all the things that I've been able to do in this sport, and in large part were facilitated by meeting Graham and getting the opportunity to work for him. And I say that because he then provided an introduction to many other people. So as I mentioned before, getting to work with two of the best course guys in the world being Rock Fry and Paul Huddle. Most people know the boys as uh, the crazy guys in the old 1990s and early 2000s, Ironman videos, um, as well as coaches. But Rock and Paul have uh, come into their own the last 20 years and, and are really two of the best course guys in the world and have always been an available resource to me. Um, who else? Locally, I think we've had great support from Triathlon BC. Um, that Al Pratsky's worked tirelessly here in the province. I know he's been a good resource and been uh, very supportive the last 15 years. Um, oh, there's just so many people, Kevin. The neat thing about our sport is I don't think there's anybody that I haven't been able to sort of phone at one time out of the out of the blue, out of the blue to bounce something off of or have people call me and say, "Hey, here's a situation we're dealing with. Do you have a suggestion?" Um, so. Um, that's a tough one. The list is long. The list is long. But I've met so many great people, both athletes and coaches. Um, you know, pro athletes that have inspired us, Lori Bowden, uh, getting to work with and, and know Lisa Bentley out of Toronto and be in Hawaii to watch Lisa race and be there for her wedding. Uh, you know, just those types of moments. Uh, yeah, it's really been it's really been a great 20 years. So some fun stuff to, to round off the interview, if you're okay with it, Joe. So you've been around the block, like we say, a number of years as race director, as an athlete, but let's let's put on your race director hat for a moment here. Um, you've seen a lot of things. Three, we've got an audience here, and this is a great question. I think that you'll, you'll have some fun answering. Three things that you would like to get off your chest as a race director. Maybe with, I wish athletes would stop, or I wish athletes would start, or, or, or maybe something from left field. What, what do you think? Um, oh, that's a good one. That might be a question more for Angie to answer than me, because she deals directly with her athletes. Um, I think uh, one thing I'd like to get off my chest is I'd like athletes to volunteer more. Good point. I, I see that as a, I always use the illustration my, my parents gave me, which is, there's people that host parties and there's people that attend. And generally you find in life that those are usually the same people time and time again. And I've, I've found that over the last 20 years that you see many of the same people tirelessly volunteering. And, and more often than not, they're not even triathletes themselves. Maybe they have a, a, a spouse or 
racing and give something back because I think that's a win-win for everybody, especially for the athletes themselves. Um, I'd like to get off my chest. I think that piece that every email um, that we get, we take seriously, but I think people should appreciate that everybody has a story or situation that sometimes comes up. Um, if we have policies, we ask you to read your waiver, read your registration. Whenever you sign up for a race, just be sure you know what you're agreeing to. Um, there's no rush or you know, there's, there's no one uh, making you sign up for a race. So whether it's a triathlon or running race, you know, Spartan race, mm-hmm. read, read all the prints and know what the rules are so that if you're unable to race, you don't have false expectations of getting a full refund or being able to sell your entry or, you know, races have policies in place for a reason and to be respectful of those once you've registered for a race and know that each is different. And a third one, oh. Well, it sounds like you've prepared for this interview. You're just nailing these. <laughs> no, I think it's just things that we see, you know, sort of year after year pieces that come up for us. Um, and I think one last piece is just be respectful on race day. Um, I know myself personally, it's a really challenging day because uh, you know, everybody that's going in the water that day, I feel, and I know Ange does too, we are personally responsible for their well-being from the time the gun goes off for the swim to when they cross that finish line. Um, and especially those athletes that don't cross the finish line or that end up in medical, they are our responsibility. We take that very strongly. Um, so we know that can be stressful out there even for the athletes because it may be new or things aren't going right, but to just be more mindful and thank the volunteers that are out there and to ensure that your conduct um, is as good as it can be when dealing with our volunteers, our crew and staff who are out there doing their best and usually have been up since 3.30 in the morning on race day and will the day probably won't end until 5 or 6 that night. Yeah, I mean, um, we think we have it rough as athletes being out in the sun, whether it's on the bike or on the run, but my goodness, the the volunteers who are there at the aid stations and at the turns, they're, they're just standing there in the heat of the day for hours and hours and hours. And, you know, the, the, those are truly, I mean, amongst many, the heroes of the sport who, who enable us to do this silly stuff. Oh, exactly. And we had, we had a Victoria athlete volunteer. He couldn't race it up like James Cook. He's uh, an up-and-comer here from Victoria in the pro ranks. And we put James out in the water to help with uh, Benny, our swim captain, member of our team. And uh, James came off the water about two hours later, and he said, I had no idea how much work goes into setting out and laying a proper, measured, spot-on swim course or one of our athletes working the bike course and volunteering one year to say, I'm going to work the bike course at all, but I'm not racing. And by the time he was done and his day was finished about 4 o'clock, he said, wow, it is so much easier to race. Mm-hmm. And, and it is. So please appreciate that uh, you know we're all in this for the right reasons. And again, that piece to just be as nice as you can on the day. Let's lighten things up a little bit. Uh, funniest thing you've seen as a race director? So straight armed at the finish line. I'm <laughs> clock. There's been a number of things. I think uh, it's watching athletes with arrow helmets 
leave the transition lot to go out on the bike with our hellhound that's on backwards. They do make us faster that way, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> it's been lots of things. I think the greatest thing when that happens uh, is just to when our athletes appreciate that they're human and they laugh about it and they don't take themselves overly serious. But I think we usually have a number of things to laugh about come race weekend uh, when we debrief on Sunday night, usually over a beverage mm-hmm. crew. Now, as an athlete, we can reflect on our races and take stock of what we've done as far as, you know, swim splits or fast transitions or overcoming adversity on a race course. But as a race director, I mean, you're still going through a a wide range of emotions. What have been some of your proudest moments as a race director? I think that's that's an easy one in some ways, Kevin. Um, Great question. Thank you. Um, I think proudest moments, um, a couple stand out. One would be, um, having an athlete come down to Oliver and doing a swim in the early days of the wine cap race and having this athlete go out there and swim mid-May and swim out and back and do the sprint swim course with her and her, and her partner and have her feel comfortable and ready to do her first race in a few weeks prior to the event and, and hear her say, yeah, I'm going to be done this and that'll be it. And then seeing her come back and do the sprint year or two following and then race the standard distance race and mm-hmm. then do the half a year or two later and then have the opportunity to meet that athlete at the finish line in Penticton uh, was a very special moment. Um, seeing some of our athletes come back from really tough injuries and tough things they've had to deal with and be there at the finish line to greet them and know their story that maybe other athletes don't know about and oftentimes they don't want anybody else to know about to know that they got there and what it took to get them there. That's really been special um, and I think too on a lighter note in Oliver for example Kevin we have I believe just under a dozen athletes that this will be their 15th year in Oliver so every year it's really special to be the finish line to have those people that raced every year since we started come down the hill and come through the finish line and be able to be there and thank them for and, and be there to give out their medal and uh, to be to know that we've So, so having your own version of the Dick Eds, as uh, Steve King would say. Well, for those people that aren't familiar, you bet. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, Canada had uh, had uh, had the two Eds uh, and Dick uh, that raced all those years in a row together, and, and we've seen the numbers. At one point, at the tenth anniversary, I believe we had close to twenty athletes, and now as we close in the fifteenth, we're just below a dozen. Um, and it's really special to have those people come up there every year and have them stand up on the Saturday at the pre-race meeting and uh, yeah, and just see them over the years and, and thank them for their support. Because the great thing about our sport is many of these people that have raced uh, with us over the last 15 years have become really good personal friends, and that's been the other upside and benefit about being involved with the sport is being some of the great people. with some real characters like yourself out there too. So, uh, <laughs> and Mikey Ross, yeah, we've got quite the crew out uh, from the Abbotsford Triathlon Club now. It's been great. It's it's a real great mix of newbies and, and uh, experienced athletes and the energy at the finish line. Um, that club approach, we're seeing it a lot with the various teams of races, and it's, it's great just to see people have that support. I know I did it all by myself. Uh, I wasn't a club member and didn't have you know sort of the opportunities that are there now for some of our, our people that are either starting out fresh or wanting to come back after a layoff of a number of years. Yeah, it's really fantastic to see the people go wild from the various clubs at the finish lines of races. 
Yeah, definitely a different uh, vibe and and the racing and the training is uh, as long as you can engage with other people. Uh, speaking with other people, you were speaking about your business partner and your friend and your wife. Um, let's talk about her for a minute. So what do you think if uh, Angie was here with us right now, what three words would she use to describe you? <laughs> oh, Kevin. Oh, I don't think I met, should ever be put in a position where I would try and think of a quote what Angie might say. Um, uh, I think inspired, inspired by our athletes. Okay. Um, passionate. Um, that's what gets me out of bed at 3.30, 4 o'clock on race day in the mornings, on race day and race weekend. And... determined okay and uh i I imagine it's going to happen one of these times uh we'll we'll talk to angie and we'll let her uh return the favor uh, uh as far as on you uh let's talk a few more funny things before we wrap things up okay so Post-race beverage of your choice. You you have some great, uh, and I was part of the, the craziness there at the end of the Oliver Half last June, and we were looking at what was happening at a certain other race on a certain island that very moment um, at another race, and it looked like that wasn't a whole hell of a lot of fun. But um, what is your post-race beverage of choice? Um, it used to be back in the day, I have to admit this, when it was in the Soyuz, we used to drink Smirnoff Ice. Um, nowadays, if I've drank enough water to not get a, a headache within half an hour of drinking, I'll usually sit down and have a lager when we're all said and done, everything's packed up. We usually will take the crew out that night and, uh, have a bit of a quick debriefing, but, uh, a chance to raise a glass to each other on the job well done, but usually, usually a lager. Any specific craft brews you get excited about? I mean, you're in Victoria, there's a lot there, but you're also partnered up with the firehouse in, uh, in Oliver. Yeah, the firehouse has been great. Jim Ruland owns the building. Jim's a, a former triathlete. He's, uh, he owns a custom home building company in Oliver. He's a local and a true supporter of our sport. Um, and so to see uh, his boy be involved in that business, and uh, it was a no-brainer to partner with them. Um, we're also trying to look for beverage partners in a couple of our other communities. We've been asked if we'll have a beverage garden post-race in Cultus Lake, so we're working towards that as a, as a viable option for 2018. Um you know, some of our, our locations, like the CRD in, in uh, Victoria, don't allow us to have that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so we do pancakes instead. Um, but, yeah, we really, again, that's that experience piece. So, you know, oftentimes many people would finish it all over after racing in a 41-degree weather. Yes. Wow, well, I could really mm-hmm. use a cold beer. So mm-hmm. after, after a few years of feedback in that department, it, it seemed uh, like a no-brainer that it was time to, to bring that and make it happen. And that's very exciting. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to our last FitSpeak interview. There's this guy who owns this nutrition company called F2C. First name is Greg. I've, I've heard of Greg as well as I've heard a little bit about the company. They've, they've got a pretty good product. I've, I've drank that lemon lime a few times. I really enjoy it. So we asked him at the end of the interview. We uh, I had a chance to look at Greg. He's had a pretty um, pretty outstanding off season for having an off season. Uh, you know, in the lower mainland, a lot of rain, not a lot of chances to go on for long bike rides and whatnot. But he's looking pretty fit. And I put the question to him. Okay, so if you and Joe Dixon were to toe the line at uh, at an Olympic distance triathlon, who's going to win? 
And, um, you know, he said, well, you know, Joe could maybe beat me out of the water, but I think I'll take him on the bike and on the run. Um, how are you going to respond to that if you were to race race Greg Cowan from F2C? Who's going to win? Okay. Or, or you know, figure out a way to do promotion that aids the sport. Um, so maybe in the Kelowna Apple, we could see that come to fruition if Greg's up for for the challenge. Sounds great. Thank you so much for uh, for spending some time with us here, Joe. We really appreciate it. Um, best of success. You've got a great lineup of uh, races for the upcoming season. Looking forward to to starting off our season out at Westwood Lake. Looking forward to the Beethoven's Pizza at Cultus Lake and of course all the fun that goes along with that uh, little party that you hold in Oliver every year. Thanks Kevin, I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, involve the podcast and, and as you suggested Angie be a, probably an even better interview than me and uh, talk about the athlete's uh, experience on her side of the table. Uh, you've been great, thank you again. Thanks Kevin. Bye now. Out in Fort Langley, the annual historic half races presented by Tri-Events was held on February the 18th. In the half marathon, the overall men's winner was Gordon Gertz in a time of 1.28. Also on the podium was Dwayne Foley, and in a time of 1.30, Rick Hertzman got third. On the women's side, your overall half marathon winner was Catherine Short in a time of 1.35. Also on the podium was Claire Iwatsky, and just 40 seconds back was Carlene Jansen claiming bronze. In the 10K, the overall female winner, and the winner overall, by the way, was Vivian Davidson in a time of 39 minutes. Also on the podium was Mariah Marshall, and Cheryl Gibson got third. In the men's race, the overall 10K winner was Tristan Schneidel in a time of 40 minutes, and taking silver was Joshua Weisbach. And in third, Brett Keller. Finally, in the 5K race, the overall female winner was Jane Nelson and she was competing in the 50 to 59 age division. She finished in a time of 25 minutes. Also on the podium was Diana Busen, and Josie Satiawan got third. In the men's 5K, your winner was Mike Romanyuk in a time of 20 minutes, taking second was John Huft, and only three seconds back, Brendan O'Brien got third. Hey, 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 you know what time it is. You hear that music. Hey, gang, I'm Kevin Watt, and these are your FitSpeak Facebook and Instagram shoutouts. It's our way of thanking those folks who do amazing things out there and also supporting us on social media. Let's start off with Fit Canadian Mom, who just announced to everybody on Instagram that she's registered for the 2018 New York Marathon. FitSpeak wishes you good luck. We also want to shout out to Mr. Doug Coates from Oak Bay Harbor. We want to thank you for tagging us in all of your winter training run sessions this past winter. And our final shout out goes out to F2C Nutrition based out of Mission. We want to give you a huge thank you for supporting the local events. And for all you Instagram listeners and followers, 
to the podcast. Don't forget to stock up on your F2C nutrition hydration products. Those are our shout outs for this time. Remember to like us on Facebook, give us a thumbs up on Instagram, and subscribe to our podcast on Podbean. For FitSpeak shout outs, I'm Kevin Watt. As you're cresting Rider Lake Climb at mile 70 of the Positive Spin Ride, your legs are burning, the sun is sweltering, and remember, you can always quit. I'm Zach Newfeld, and this is Between the Ears. Previously, I've covered topics in a book called Performance Under Pressure, written by performance psychologist Dr. Saul Miller. He's worked with business professionals and athletes, including Canadian Olympians and the Vancouver Canucks. Today, I'm talking more about power thoughts. Let's recap what pressure is. Pressure gets in the way of excelling. It's when we feel restricted or doubtful about succeeding, and that's where pressure grows. Even pro athletes experience pressure, and there's a lot we can do about it. So, what are power thoughts, and how do they help us deal with pressure? According to research, two-thirds of our self-talk is critical or limiting, so we can think positive and empowering thoughts instead. Power thoughts are purposeful, truthful, and helpful statements about ourselves. They enable us to be our own coaches, giving us the power to do better. Dr. Miller gave a great example in the book Performance Under Pressure. A hockey player trying out for the Edmonton Oilers kept wondering what the coach was thinking. He needed to tune into his own competence instead of worrying about the coach. He created tension, he gave away his power, and lost concentration. He knew he was better than he performed, so he used power thoughts. Each time he got distracted and perceived a negative thought, he used it as a stimulus to remind himself to consciously fill the space with a power thought. He would think, I am in control, instead of, is he watching, and I didn't do that right. A hockey player, the hockey player did end up doing well in the NHL. Now, how can we use power thoughts to perform better? Our minds are constantly thinking, but they do it unconsciously and negatively when we're stressed. We can get behind the wheel and steer our thoughts. Much of the mental game is filling the space with positive thoughts so negative ones don't take our energy. Sometimes we can switch the terms we use when we think. Instead of thinking, I can't or I won't, think, I have, I will, I love to. Love is the power, according to Dr. Miller, who says we can accentuate what we love about the process. So what's part of your sports process? A runner could think, I love deep breathing and pushing back with my toes. And a cyclist could think, I love riding fast down the other side of these hills. Replace I've got to with I love to. It's a decision, not a lie. I do this in my daily life, correcting myself in front of other people even. It's changed how I perceive things a lot. Now, more about power thoughts. They're positive, relevant, and appealing. A runner could think, I float on my toes. Additionally, we could think in terms of future stimulating opportunities instead of problems and negatives. So being positive, at the first half marathon in Vancouver, I thought repeatedly, I can perform my best today. I am not slowing down, and I'm going to finish strong and on top. When you sense a negative or limiting thought, use it as a stimulus to replace it with a positive thought. So something that's appealing, helpful, and truthful, instead of negative limiting thoughts. So use it as a stimulus. We we just covered what pressure is and some more strategies for developing power thoughts. We want to do better and pressure gets in the way. However, thinking is a powerful tool for making our goals happen. 
Next time we'll talk about how to get motivated to do strength training and develop more physical and mental power. For now, I'll leave you with a quote. Power, the strength comes from the mind. It means that the mind is a tool, so get some leverage and become skilled in mental toughness. For Between the Ears, I'm Zach Neufeld. And that's it for another edition of FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's only wellness, fitness, and endurance sports podcast. FitSpeak is brought to you by Wentings in Mission. Your Wentings word of the week is optimism. FitSpeak is also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multisport. Take your first step to your finish line by starting with TriJoy. See the link at the bottom of this page to get in touch and to get going. I'd like to thank guest Joe Dixon from Dynamic Race Events. You can check out all his races at dynamicraceevents.com. And keep in mind our F2C contest is up and running. Check our webpage, our Facebook page, or the Instagram feed about how you can win the latest endurance product from F2C. Join us next time when we'll have an interview with ex-professional soccer player turned elite triathlete turned political organizer turned triathlon coach and whatever else comes next for the very interesting Vince DiMano. For all of us here at Fitspeak, I'm Kevin Hines. Thanks for listening. 